0: Crunching the numbers, thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which has tennis for everyone. Perfect for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Close to Melbourne Airport, with accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Hello and welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. This is Stephen Hus.
1: I'm with my very able co-host, Chris Tons. Chris, how are you today, mate? I'm doing
2: great. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, very well. We are joined today by a special guest. It's a uh, college coach from Virginia Tech, the men's tennis coach, Uh, someone who I am very close to, who I worked with a number of years ago. Uh, Jim Thompson, welcome to the program. Thanks for being here.
0: Thanks for having me, Stephen.
1: Today we are going to kind of have a look at the college landscape. We're going to ask Jim, we're going to get him to throw some numbers out because that's the theme of our show here. Um, but we also want to hear a bit about his program and we want to try and educate our listeners, parents, players, coaches about the pathway that is college tennis, try and encourage that pathway uh, as we go forward. So coach, I want to ask in general, when we're in Australia or when we're in a different country, we always think about, oh, college tennis. Uh, and we always think, well, how many colleges are there? We hear about Division One, Two, II and Three. Then there's even two other divisions, an NAIA. And also a, there's a junior college. So a lot of us overseas aren't aware. Of what all these things mean and what they are. So, can you just give us a, a very quick
0: overview of the different divisions and and perhaps how they differ? Sure. You know, for there's uh, Division One and Division Two and Division Three. Uh, clearly, Division One is the highest of the divisions, um, and they offer all the scholarships and a lot of opportunity in, in tennis for sure. Division Two also offers scholarships, uh, maybe smaller schools, a little bit smaller schools at times. Just have a different set of rules. That that govern uh, their division, and then of course Division Three, which is non-scholarship. But there's tons of schools. I think 328 schools in Division Three. There are 264 in Division One and 167 in the division two area. So there's lots of different opportunities at all those levels.
1: And what about from a tennis perspective? I understand sounds like division one are going to have the best facilities, um, the best support. uh, And perhaps as you go down to division three, where they're not offering scholarships, but from what I know from a little bit of research and from being in the college environment, division three has a lot of, a lot of strong academic schools as well. So it's not necessarily, um, you know, a bad thing to go to a division, division 3 school or a division 2 school do i have that right
0: absolutely the level at division 3 is very strong at the moment um you know and and as far as facilities a lot of the division 3 schools have excellent facilities as well they're usually smaller private schools and sometimes the private schools have a lot of financial support and means and so their facilities sometimes can be as good or better than some of the division 1 smaller schools But, yes, there's uh, lots of uh, different varying levels of support in all those divisions.
1: Now, that's pretty incredible that there are, you know, somewhere in the area of 700 different schools opportunities. And I know on the on the women's side, it's uh, even more. I think there are over 900 opportunities uh, for girls to go to school and play and play college tennis at all the different divisions. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the scholarships available to boys and girls and now let's be specific to division one which is where virginia tech which is where you are the coach are. can you talk about scholarships and how they differ between the men and the and the women
0: yes there's a there's a a rule called title nine that was a a, it's a mandated by the government that that says that we must offer equal opportunity on the men's and the women's side of all sports and so in the field of men's tennis we are limited to four and a half scholarships um per team uh on the women's side they have eight scholarships per team so there's a, a lot more opportunity on the women's side and the only the only difference there is that the women's side they only can offer eight scholarships so they can be full scholarships all eight of them or they could offer one dollar to eight different people but they could only have eight players on scholarship while, while on the men's team while we only have four and a half, we might be able to divide those scholarships up more and have more players on scholarship than eight. So we might have nine or 10 scholarship tennis players on the men's side. Maybe they're only receiving, uh, you know, uh, 10 or 20% or books or something of that nature but there you can divide it up on the men's side and you can't do that on the women's
1: Interesting yeah so the women are all full scholarships whereas the men are divided into uh into different sectors right so you on the same team you can have somebody on an 80% scholarship and somebody on a 10% scholarship
0: correct Absolutely absolutely
1: yeah. Okay Chris, I want to dive over to you. Uh, I know you have a couple of questions for Coach Thompson. Where do you want to start?
2: When you talk about the four and a half, you can also have financial aid scholarships outside of that. So if, let's say a is coming over, would, would that still be a possibility if they could, let's say they don't have the quite the, the resources, could financial aid be provided to them or, or does that count as part of the scholarship?
0: Great question, Chris. And every school handles that a little differently. There are certain scholarships that um, are academic aid based. So like, for instance, you got straight A's in high school. Um, there are certain schools that would give you an incentive by giving you an academic scholarship, but that has to be based on solely on your own grades and your own merit. And each school handles that differently. So um, maybe a school like Virginia Tech has very limited academic aid because we're a lot of schools use that to attract students. And on our in our case, we don't need to, we have a big a lot of people that want to come here, it's a great school. Yeah. And so um, we don't use academic aid to incentivize people to come here. But yes, if as long as there's no merit tied to you getting it because of your athletic uh, abilities, then the schools do are do have that ability to to offer uh, right. aid.
2: My questions are kind of more tied to like the actual, some of the training and then foreign versus U.S. players. And I put together some stats for that that we can maybe go over. But first question, I saw a podcast from, I think it was Mark, Mark well, it was Mark Kovacs, but uh, it, it was recent too. And he was saying that the difference between the pros in college, the best players in college is pretty small. They just train more. Which makes sense because you know it's a full time job. So I know I used to be the assistant coach at UC Irvine, and but I can't remember like the actual training per week and and how, to, how does that look if, if you're coming in?
0: The NCAA structure is that we are allowed to when we're in our season. There's there's an in season and an out of season part of of each school year. But when we're in season, we're allowed to. To practice for 20 hours per week, uh, and that includes the strength and conditioning part. So you, you can structure that however you want to structure it, but it, the, the the maximum hours are 20 per week, and then you can have the kids can play extra on their own outside of that for sure the NCAA just felt like that 20 limiting it to 20 was a, the number that would allow them to do school and have some sort of outside life from tennis as well but 20 is the out the number of that we're allowed in in division one now when you're out of season they can play they can practice all they want they can only but they can only be with the coaches up to eight hours per week and that is a very short time period. So for us, we start our 20-hour weeks in September and go all the way till November, mid-November, usually the first week of November. And then we have a, a break until they come back in January. And that usually sort of surrounding the exam period in December and they go home. So we're they're only here for exams at the, the beginning of December. So it's really misleading to think that they're only getting eight hours. It's not a very long period.
1: In Australia at the moment, they've changed their ranking system over and and they're only using UTR, so they don't have any national rankings or rankings outside of UTR. So it's been a big, big talking point in Australia. You know, I'm wondering, I know that when I was a a college coach as well, that we did look at UTR and use that as a tool to try and evaluate where some, where some kids were. Can you talk a little bit about UTR and how do you use it? Uh, and also, you know, the WTN, which is the ITF sort of equivalent of the, of the UTR, which is now coming in and going to be implemented uh, worldwide. Are you familiar with that? And is that another tool that you will use?
0: Yes, I'm, I'm very familiar with it. It, it. And it is a tool we'll use. But UTR has been sort of the standard now for four or five, six years, I guess, at least it's sort, certainly a great way to get a starting point for when you're talking to someone, if, if, if someone's, you know, I think uh, you guys put together some numbers about UTR and where the top teams are with their UTR and their top players and whatnot. Um, it's certainly, um, you know, hopefully like our, in our program, as, as I was speaking with you before we started talking today, but uh, you know, you hope that their UTR will go up while they're with you and in your program and and they're going to improve. But, You know, you kind of have a range of where you think that maybe they need to be when they actually are talking to you. And you're usually talking to them in their junior year, uh, start of their senior year. And so you're sort of projecting as well where they might end up in a a year before they actually arrive at college. So yeah, UTR coaches, I think every coach in the country uses it. You know, UTR is a, a range of where players are. It's not a ranking. It's a it's a, a rating. And it's meant to sort of be able to say that, you know, if I'm within a certain distance from you in the rating, that we would have a very competitive match. And so I think kids get caught up a lot of times in that rating and and the small numbers, you know, if you're in a Eleven five 5 or you're an eleven six. 6 Does that really matter? I don't think so. I think that means we're going to have a great match. You know, it needs to move more than half a point in my mind to really make a big sort of difference. And so kids caught up in the really small changes, they're they're caught up in the wrong things. They need to be worrying about improving. But yes, it's a starting point to give us a rate, a range of where they, they are currently. Um, and WTN will do the same. I I don't know um, exactly we have started using it, but I'm not sure how accurate it is at this point and how perfect it is. I think they're still getting data and still getting more, the more computer, the more tournaments that are played and, information that's put into it it'll become more and more accurate i think as as it goes as well
1: perfect thank you chris i'm gonna ask you can you um go over your table you do the men maybe then i can jump in and do the women after you but i give you full credit for putting this together so well done
2: the reason why i put this together is i i keep hearing from college coaches that i'm looking for a 13.5 and i felt like well, that, that, that might be unrealistic i mean i i had a junior last year that was a 124 the top team saw him play and they told him we're looking for a 135 and then they he kind of got disinterested because they gave him this number that he wasn't at and I talked to the coach and he said no we just kind of use that as a, a reference point we actually want the guy to come and he ended up going somewhere else so that's why I kind of put this together but so I, I i took a look at the the top 10 schools and then every 10 after that which i don't really need to get into but the range for the top 10 men's teams last year for the whole roster the average was the highest average for a team was 13.66 and the lowest was 13.23 and if you look at the the number 70 school last year their average for their whole team was 12.19 now granted there's some 13s on that team and some maybe 11 fives but the thing that i i found was interesting and this might appeal more to the Australian listeners is if you look at the top 10 men's teams of the entire roster, 48% are Americans. So that means 52% are foreigners. Out of the of the top 10 teams, the actual starting lineup, the top six, only 37% are Americans. When I put this together, it seems like to me, the easiest way to get a good team would be to go maybe more foreign, because, like let's say I'm out in Southern California you have UCLA, USC, Southern California, and then Stanford, and they seem to get all the best Southern Cal players. So, I mean, how? Do, I guess I could pose that question, or Stephen, do you want to go into the women first?
1: No, pose the question, and then I'll do the women. Go ahead.
2: It seems like that there's many advantages to getting foreigners, because you can choose from a wider selection of, of people that are already, aren't already trying to go to these top schools. I mean, how do you feel about that? And as I know as an assistant coach watching the the foreigners work was pretty outstanding too I mean they, they come for school they're great at school and they work hard so how do you see that Jim
0: I think you're absolutely correct I mean our international guys have if I just did their Gpa would be amazing they they do well in school they they apply themselves very hard and um sort of do they work on the court hard um and I and I think that definitely the 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 analogy you said with Stanford, UCLA, and USC are attracting some of the best Southern Cal kids. So if you're a California school and you don't go with some of the foreign players, you you're, you don't have a chance to compete, in my opinion. So we 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 have always had a, a pretty large number of international students, and I think that's helped us compete over the years for sure.
1: Yeah. So going into the women now, the average top ten team. Uh, was between a 10.46 UTR and up to a 10.91 for the strongest team. Average a little bit different with the women. There are, seems to be more Americans on their team. So, in the top 10 teams, eh, the top six players, there was 60% uh, Americans. So that was compared to 37 for the men. So perhaps for uh, any of the Australian girls that are listening, remember we talked about you know 900 opportunities at different levels of college tennis, and and now that uh, they're they're aren't as many foreigners in, in, in female college tennis as there are in the men's college tennis. And then going down, you know, if you look at, the say, the 40th-ranked school, the average UTR is 9.85. And if you look at the 70th-ranked school, the average UTR is 9.56. So the range there is between about a 9.5 at the 70th-ranked school uh, and almost up to an 11 UTR for the, you know, the strongest school there. And I also speak from experience, you know, recently uh, I worked with a a boy who went to college and he was just around a 10 UTR and he went to a division one college. Again, he's playing on a team, he's getting support, he's having a great college experience. So I don't want to scare everybody away saying that you have to be at these numbers. Uh, Remember the 70th ranked division one school for the women is 9.56 and for the men it's 12.19. But remember there are you know, six, seven, eight, nine hundred schools over here that are uh, absolutely take lower UTRs than that, and where you can go and have a great college experience and combine your continuing education with uh, with playing tennis. So the opportunities over here in this country are awesome. I went through it myself. Chris went to college tennis as well. I don't think either of us would change those four years for anything. Um, they were wonderful. Uh, so plenty of opportunities, Jim. What do you feel about players playing pro tournaments during the college year and when might or when does that happen?
0: Well, I mean, we would support players that are of the calibre to play professional tournaments. You know, being able to to get in the tournaments is always a big thing. You need to be able to get ATP points to get in. So um, we've supported our guys that have been able to get into those tournaments generally that happens in the, the fall, but there's also times where our guys have played Davis Cup and things like that too the, in the spring that uh, also are opportunities for them. So we we would want what's best for them to improve and advance. We do have a big change in the NCAA coming up where the, the singles and doubles championships are going to be played in the fall. And that may change how some of our uh, looks at pro tennis. Uh, may, maybe if you guys can qualify early and play in some of the tournaments that they can qualify then they can only go play pro tournaments so it kind of that might be a big change coming down the, the the down the road but certainly the fall has been always the time where a lot of players have had opportunities to go and try to play some professional events
1: yeah i think that's fantastic i mean and i think the colleges in general have uh, have done a good job with Continuing to encourage players to play outside of college if it's in their best interest to do so. And uh, yeah, obviously, I know that you feel that way as well. Can you talk about a couple of the Australians that have attended Virginia Tech? You had one very recently, and I think you've had a couple before that. So maybe mention their names and uh, hopefully you got something good to say about them as well, which all sure you have.
0: Well, there's no question I have two um, Harpers. Um, Mitch Harper uh, has been the one that's graduated from us and is out on the tour currently. You know, Mitch came in and played five or six in the lineup his freshman year and did well for us, but really improved. I think in his junior year, he had his breakout season, got up as high as 12 in the country in the, I, the college rankings and um, just had a great career here at Virginia Tech. Had great experiences, won the Milwaukee Classic, made the NCAA tournament had a few injuries um, that set him back at the end of his career but um and of, of his college career and but's back on track and doing well playing he's I think 795 on the ATP tour now currently and uh, his brother Matt is with us currently uh, Matt's doing really well I think he's got a bunch of doubles points um in the ATP. Um, and we're looking for great things for. He had a great season this year in the doubles, and we're look, looking forward to seeing what he can do this coming spring. And then we've had we have another Australian, Michael Shepherd, who plays for us currently on the team. We we um, he's had a few injuries over his career, but uh, we look forward to seeing what he'll do in his senior year. He's training hard right now. He's just come out of a, a, a wrist injury and is doing well. So, um, and then in the past, I guess we've had Jai Corbett, who has gone on and. Uh, you know, went from low in our lineup. Coach, you had a big impact on his life. I, he told me to tell you hello. I talked to him today, but he, <laughs> okay. he, he's um he's doing really well. He 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 played the tour, and I think when COVID hit, he was doing well, and then had to stop. He's now working at a club in Richmond, Virginia, and doing doing really well. There's a big pro tournament, thirty thousand dollar pro tournament this coming week there. So he's he's excited and playing in the tournament with Hunter Koontz, one of our other former players. So, and then we've had uh, other, other Australians, uh, probably the best Australian that ever came uh, to Virginia Tech was a guy by the name of Oliver Mayo. He was an All-American player here at Virginia Tech and, uh, you know, ended up having a great career. Um, So we've had quite a few Australians, uh, probably no one as famous as you coach that came to came to work here we're we're the most proud of having you here for sure okay moving on I've got one
1: last question for you and then Chris can jump in with anything else that he might have but can you talk about some of the benefits to the student athletes that perhaps aren't as obvious I think when you're overseas you know okay you go there you get a scholarship or some sort of scholarship how big it is we don't know but you're going to get your schooling you know help paying for your schooling what are some of the other benefits and I know some of them and, and uh, I think it's becoming, seems like it's more and more, but can you talk about some of the other benefits that, uh, that student athletes have when they come to college or to Virginia Tech specifically,
0: because that's, that's where you are. Well, there's lots of benefits. I mean, college tennis is, as both of you remember, were one of the greatest experiences. And um, certainly one of the you know things that I think a lot of the guys like and is all the gear, you know, they get, you know we're a we're a Nike school. We get sponsored by Nike. They get all kinds of gear. They get equipment. They get their rackets strung, uh, shoes. You know all of those types of things that, you know, seem sort of little and minor, but they they're they're awesome. But in addition to that, you know, um, they also get like free tutoring. You know, in their academic side, you know, the guys uh, we have an academic coordinator that works solely with our team, and and. Um, You know, helps them do their schedule, do um, you know all of the things with their classes, get their books, make sure they're just make sure they're organized and and on the right track academically. And that person reports back to me when they don't attend class, when they don't do things right. So there's a lot of resources in that way. Um, They can do things like having a writing lab where they can go and have their papers read before they um, turn their papers in. So academically, they get tons of support. Um, that you just can't imagine until you're here and see and understand what that looks like. Um, other other benefits, I mean, the strength and conditioning program that we have, you know, we work with a strength and conditioning coach three times a week at the minimum. And you know he has a, be- a huge impact, I think, on guys physically. You know, a lot of times they're coming when they're 18 years old. and as we know, uh, we can see some of the guys that are doing well in the tour now are 24 and so that big gap between 18 and 2021 20, where they're physically maturing i think a lot of of resources um there are in at least at virginia Tech with our strength program that we're that we're doing you know things like force plates and i mean there's just all kinds of different all the equipment you can imagine that we might have and then in the training room you know we have a full medical staff that works with our athletes you know if you're sick you get in to see the doctor or if you you know roll your ankle you're going to have to be the ability to go and have um, you know cold tubs and hot tubs and all of those types of resources we had an underground underwater treadmill uh and and all all of those kind of resources are available that maybe people don't see when they first think about going to college and then the facilities you know the you know at our school we have a a dining hall that's for the athletes we have a track running track all all kinds of different resources is that what you were talking about coach and
1: yeah i mean i think that you were saying that i think they get nine meals a week for free something like that and through the athletic dining hall and then i think there's a is there still a Cost of Attendance Um, that helps them pay for things outside of their schooling?
0: Yes, there is a cost of attendance, which is an addition to the scholarship or added on to the scholarship. We have a thing called NIL that's just started, I think for internationals, it's much more difficult than it is for the uh, US kids, but that's where they can actually benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And so they can sell their name jersey or they can sign autographs or they can do different things to earn money um, in addition to their scholarship money, which is, is is a nice perk. Um, there are just lots of different things that that we uh, have now available for the athletes. Yeah,
1: fantastic.
2: I'm out here on the tour every week. And, and like you said, uh, I think you alluded to this, the average age of professionals is getting older. I'm starting to see a lot more college players and players that went to college that are starting to do well on the pro tour. And that's just not on the men's side. I'm seeing it more on the women now. It's definitely an option. You know, sometimes these people want to go pro, but maybe they're not quite ready for it. And I would seriously look at the top schools. I, I need to turn pro and see if your UTR is even close to that because College is a great option to to develop and improve your game, and the tour will wait for you.
0: I mean, I think it, it, if I can add to that, I think you're very true about that. And I think so many uh, international students are worried that if they go to college, they won't improve, that it's not a pathway to the pros. They, they think that they're giving up on the professional dream. And I, I think there's so many examples out there. And, and certainly currently with like Ben Shelton and Ethan Quinn, who are doing Ben's done amazing. And, you know, he played the year before he 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 did so well he was playing five on his college team so it's i think the level is certainly there a lot of players don't understand that and don't 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 realize that they're going to benefit from the training and to have a coach with them full time and to have guys around them that they can actually train with and work on their game is is so important and so i think they give up on that thought they don't realize that's going to be the difference in making them have a good professional career i think that's the number one thing that college can provide
1: no question well uh Coach Jim Thompson from Virginia Tech Men's Tennis, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate your time. And uh, Chris Tons, I know you're uh, sitting in a hotel room late at night. uh, Best of luck. That'll do us for another episode of Crunching the Numbers. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.
0: The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, Read weekly features by our team of writers and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.